Holidays, what a brilliant idea. I wonder who thought of them in the first place. God invented holidays. Think back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve created on the sixth day, and as they admire this wonderful countryside, these beautiful gardens and safari park, the first thing God gave them was a rest day. The first thing they had to do in God's world was have a rest. And ever since from creation, there's been that built into our very nature, this divine rhythm from creation, as well as for salvation. So God invented holidays. It might, though, depend on how you spell the word holiday. The middle letter. Is it an I? That in my holidays I do what I want, what I think? Or is it, instead of a one stroke of I, it's the three single strokes of a Y? Which begs the question, does this three strokes coincidence of English language maybe, the Trinity, or of ourselves, body, soul, and spirit, body, mind, and spirit, if you like. And the purpose of this divine rhythm of a holiday once a week is to restore and renew and rejuvenate ourselves in our bodies, in our minds, and in our spirits. So that's a bit of my theme tonight, and also having a brief look at Leviticus, which spells out so many of the holidays they had long ago. So, as it says on these leaflets, first of all, I want to, about Jesus, said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Secondly, a quick look, or maybe not such a quick look, at the biblical public holidays from Leviticus 23, and the ones already fulfilled by Christ. It's a bank holiday weekend. Some of the politicians are talking about more bank holidays in the year. God gave his people 19 extra public holidays a year for feasts and festivals, for rest and recreation, for enjoyment and fun and activity. That's 19 plus the 52 a year he's already given them. So we're up to almost 80 days holiday a year that God has given us. And then thirdly, and briefly a glance ahead, to the other holidays that may yet be fulfilled in our eternal holiday. Part of tonight also, I'll be asking you to imagine what it was like living in Bible times. A few thousand years ago, maybe in the times of Moses, all we were living in is um, mud brick huts, or maybe tents with a few animal skins sewn together, open fires, or a barbecue, and then the only street lights you had was the moon or a few candles if you were rich. So it's trying to imagine living in those days. Try to imagine also living in the days of Moses. You're part of a, a refugee camp, a despised migrant community, an ethnic minority living in an alien land. And the dictator, Pharaoh, would only just about tolerate your existence as slaves. But then you're beginning to hear of someone called Moses talking about an ancient God that would come to your rescue and that this great invisible God had actually saved you and redeemed you and rescued you and set you out 
free. So try to imagine what it was perhaps like in those days. Anyway, the first bit. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Not for us to do what we happen to choose or like or selfishly pursue our own pursuits. The Sabbath was made for us to reconnect with God, to find our true fulfillment and recreation in body, mind, and spirit. Now, the Jews had the seventh day of the week, Christians have the eighth day or the first day of the next week in honor of our Lord's resurrection and also that he restricted his early resurrection appearances to that first day of the week. Now, I'm not going to argue for Sabbatarianism or anything strict like that because this fourth commandment was the only one of the ten not specifically repeated in the New Testament. We've got the principle. The gospel is for people every, every, every tribe and culture and nation and tongue and country. So that perhaps if you happen to be living in Egypt, which is a Muslim-dominated country, the rest day is Friday. So the churches meet on Fridays for their family services, their messy church or their social affairs. But they get up early on the Sunday morning to have a Eucharist before dawn and before going to work. Or if you happen to be living in Nepal, the government rest day is Saturday. So local Christians have their church services on Saturday. But that's the freedom we've got for this universal gospel to people in every tribe and nation and kindred. But it's a matter of building this rhythm into our lives. Some of you are old enough to remember the battles in the 1980s, the Keep Sunday Special campaign. And one of the concerns was that losing a special Sunday would destroy this rhythm. And without it, people would perhaps not cope with things so well. There'd be more mental health issues. And what we're we getting nowadays, the pundits are saying that mental health is such a problem for the younger generation. And in particular, 15s or 25 to 35s. What is the answer? Why did this happen? Well, they seem to forget what they did 30 years ago. So we're here for Sundays to try to reconnect ourselves with God. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Number two, beginning to look at the public holidays from Leviticus 23. There's a whole list of them there. Because the other thing about the Sabbath is that it was built into creation, but it actually became the fourth commandment. And if we talk about leg employment legislation or user-friendly legislation, what better thing is this? You're commanded to have a holiday once a week. Doesn't that turn things upside down? Because I believe the Ten Commandments weren't to stop us having fun, but guide us into the truth and to set us free. So what about these festivals of Leviticus that are enshrined there? How did they all begin? Well, let's imagine going back to being slaves in Egypt. Imagine, if you will, that you're, say, a 10- or 12-year-old child in a family. And school, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Slavery was seven days a week, 52 weeks in a year, every year of your life. 
and it wasn't really school. It's mucking around with parents in the mud fields, like so many poverty-stricken families do in India, chopping uh, stones for an existence. It wasn't much fun. But there, as a child, you're part of the family. You do your bit to help. But things are getting tougher. You hear about all these plagues. What's going to happen? And then one day, Dad comes home. Right, family, gather round me. Tonight could be the night. Tomorrow, we could be leaving. So quickly, pack up a few backpacks. We've got a sleepover tonight. Mum, you haven't got time to bake any cakes. Do a bit of flatbread without yeast in the oven. And we've got a sleepover. We're going next door tonight. Something special. We've got a barbecue, but it's not beef, it's lamb. And it's not outside, it's inside. And you think, how can we cope with that? And we've got to stay in the full night. And you know, you've seen me um, slaughter a sheep or two for our own food. We've got to do that specially tonight, but this time we're keeping the blood and just painting it on the doorposts. And you as your young kid, you're just beginning to wonder, what's all this about? But you join in. You go next door. The lamb is slaughtered. It's put on the roast spit, on the barbie, to do for that night. You're all going to have that meal together, a sacred fellowship meal to stick together. The blood is on the doorposts. And what's happening? Because Dad is saying, there's a terrible night tonight. The last plague, all the firstborn, and the Egyptians are going to die tonight. When the messenger of death comes, will we be safe? You're worried about your older brother. Will he be safe? Well, we've, God said, we can trust in the blood of the lamb that's put on the doorposts. And during that night, they're expressing their trust in God in fellowship and gathered together as a saved community. And true enough, they discover that that angel of death has passed over their houses. They're safe. They wake up to a new day, which they can be free. They're ready to go out, following Moses and the leaders. Going out where? This great, all-conquering, invisible king is greater than dictator Pharaoh. But what would he be like? What would our future be? Anyways, they get the last things together, grab a few of the early veg from the garden or some barley, and let's take it with us. And so for the next eight days or so, you're on a camping pilgrimage, leaving the life of slavery behind, putting up the tent, taking it down every day on unleavened bread, and you're waving your barley and other things in joy and festivity that you're getting out. And then a few days later, you're, at, um, you're out, you cross the Red Sea, now in the desert. And about seven weeks later, you're at Mount Sinai to hear what this new God is like. And you read bits of this in Exodus 19 and 20. This God chose us. He actually wanted us, even though we're despised and rejected by the world. This God redeemed us from slavery. And yes, he's going to treat us like royalty. We're all going to be like priests for this new kingdom. But what does he want of us? Oh, it's just this short list of ten do's and don'ts to guide us on our way, to keep us safe in community and how to live in the future. And from that basis start the first four feasts of, Exodus, of Leviticus 23 
and the springtime feasts that the Jews have always been celebrating. Firstly, for the Passover, the first new moon after the spring equinox. So you've got brilliant light at night time. So that's the Passover. And then they have unleavened bread for eight days, reminding them of their pilgrimage. Life is a journey, and we shouldn't forget that. And then they're waving the barley, the first fruits from the fields. And then 50 days later, they're at Mount Sinai. They celebrate the giving of the law. But also when they're settled, it's the rest of the harvest. The first fruits, just after Passover, the full fruit of the complete harvest at Pentecost. And then how does that fit in with the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour? He was like the Passover lamb sacrificed for us. By his shed blood we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we find our safety by the blood of the shed of the lamb of God the perfect Lamb of God. He lived that perfect life. He presented himself to be slain on that awful altar of the Roman gibbets or the cross and made with that sacrifice the price for the ransom for us and for our redemption. And yes, the unleavened bread, so often in Scripture, it's uh, the leaven is like a poison that infiltrates our lives. So we want to have the discipline of unleavened bread. And then what of that waving of the first fruits, the first of the harvest, as the Jews would do? Thank you, Lord, for the beginning of the harvest. It's a token of more to come. We look forward to the full harvest. And this comes as your bounty and your gift. Now, the... The waving of the first fruits was the day after the first Sabbath after the Passover, if you can work that out. But the Passover turns out to be in the Friday. The Saturday was the Sabbath. And so early on the Sunday morning when Mary and the others were getting to go to the tomb, faithful Jews were going out to their farms and their allotments to grab the first of the barley that would come. And they would be saying to the Lord, thank you for the first fruits, there's more to come. And what did Mary see? An empty tomb and the risen Lord. The first fruits of them that died. And there's plenty more to come as we look forward to our own resurrections and meeting our Lord in glory. So there's those first three in the spring followed seven weeks later by the full fruits, the final harvest. And that's looking forward to the Pentecost with the gospel story. The first fruit was really the fruits of redemption from Christ, the full fruits, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the conclusion of the immediate gospel ministry. Those first four festivals that came in the spring as fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's so many little facets we could explore with that. And for reference, but I'm not going to linger on them now, they're all on the inside of these leaflets, which you're welcome to take home. But moving on now to this third section of the... Um, no, no, that's a bit too early. I've missed a bit. About Leviticus, because you've all come here to hear about Leviticus, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, first of all, let me give you the best memory verse you can ever have from Leviticus. And you don't have to struggle because you already know it. And can we have it on the screen? The next slide should be, <laughs> wait for it. That's it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Just five words, rather like the memory verses I do with the children each summer. Love your neighbor as yourself. So for those of you who are trying to get a memory verse from each book of the Bible and haven't got Leviticus yet, I recommend you go for this. How do you remember it's 19 verse 18? Well, in learning memory verses, I try to find something about the maths or the history or a combination of numbers. I just think of 1918 was the end of the First World War, and then people thought they ought to start loving their neighboring nations as themselves, and that gave birth to the League of Nations. So love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 1918. And then in the book of Leviticus, well, there's all sorts of things in it. Basically, it's about sacrifices. Why does it go into all that detail? You've got um, sin is serious and holiness is important and worthwhile. You have all these sacrifices. But basically, thinking about these sacrifices, there's um, the priesthood does it near the Holy of Holies, there's a fire or a barbecue, you take an offering, perhaps it's uh, one of your new lambs from the, this year's flock, something like that, you present it before the Lord, there's the bonfire, it goes up in smoke, and that's the sacrifice of the offering by which you seek to get a clear conscience and back right with God. But just imagine on the fire, and some of my barbecues are like this, there's so much smoke. But what happens to smoke? Okay, there's a scientific answer, but visually, you have all this black, acrid smoke, and it goes up and just disappears. So visually, it's going from the visible to the invisible. From ourselves as people here on earth, reaching through to the great invisible, eternal God who created and redeemed us. And at that point of sacrifice, or when we say our prayers, it's going from the visible to the invisible, to the time-bound, to the eternal. And that's the center of these sacrifices. So, in the book of Leviticus, mm, I must admit I don't read it very often. It's hardly our bedtime reading, is it? But then, it might be someone's bedtime reading. And you still read it today for general advice about health and hygiene, about food. And to us, with other training, it's fairly common sense that if you're camping in a hot country, you don't put some unpasteurized milk next to the red meat. But they had to be told that. And when they obeyed it, they were obeying God, rather than the latest EU le legislation. Or perhaps if uh, in their tents, or when they got settled with houses, and they noticed mildew, there's regulations for that. And okay, technically it might be rising damp or dry rot, but there's a process of handling that. And then as far as um, debts are concerned, 
in uh, chapter 25, this approach of how to handle debt and how to help people out of debt, like Christians Against Poverty. The principles are here in Leviticus. And then for a close community, there's ways of handling infectious diseases, as there are today. So you've got plenty of practical things. But let's have a look at just one or two gems that are here. Can we have the next slide, please? One of the details. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his foot, Leviticus 8, 23. Hardly the most inspiring verse in the whole of Scripture. Next slide highlights one or two of the things. This happens during the ordination, but on other times. The sacrificial lamb, the blood that was slain to forgive and to dedicate, was put on the ear to consecrate what we are listening to and how we're discerning what we hear on the thumb of our right hand so that all we do should be service for the Lord one way or another. And the big toe of the right foot, especially with open sandals, wherever we travel and wherever we go, it's like having our feet shod with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we listen to, is dedicated to the Lord. And another of the details, please. Uh, a detail from the ordinations. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Perhaps you're getting a few clues there. Next slide highlights a few things. Moses and Aaron. Just imagine those two brothers. One had been a slave all his life. Another one had been brought up as a prince and had 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness come together for God's great plan. What differences they were, but God brought them together. Moses, his heartaches, the number of people, times people rejected him and opposed what he was trying to do, his hard work leading the people through the wilderness years. And then Aaron, think of the ordination. Four of his boys were being ordained that same day. How wonderful, what a fulfillment. But then, as you know, that disaster struck and two of them died. What heartache he must have had in his own family. But those two people still kept faithfully serving the Lord. And as priests and ministers, they blessed the people. Whatever they felt inwardly, they used the words of the blessing. And wow, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Far came down and they shouted for joy and fell face down. Awesome. A precursor of what worship should be sometimes these days. So, book of Leviticus then. A few things about Leviticus then. Um, there's no other book with so many words of God in. 850 verses, 750 of those verses are God dictating to Moses and Aaron. There's about 19,000 Hebrew words and 17,000 of those words are God speaking. There's no other book like it. Anyway, let's have our Bible reading now. Is it Leviticus 1? I'm sorry, it's a bit small print. You don't have to read it. But again, that's when we turn to the Bible. What is it? Anyway, next slide highlights a bit, please. Anyway, I'll read it. So it's 
The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, bring it as your offering, an animal from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he is to offer a male without defect. He must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He is to slaughter the young bull before the Lord and then Aaron's sons and priests shall bring the blood and sprinkle it against the altar on all sides at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron the priest are to put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons and priests shall arrange the pieces, including the head and the fat, on the burning wood that is on the altar. He is to wash the inner parts of the leg with water, and the priest is to burn all of it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. And the last bit is about the boundary of the visible to the invisible. We might think it's acrid smoke. It's a beautiful aroma that the invisible one senses and smells and is pleased by it. So the first verse is the Lord calling to Moses and the 750 more verses of God speaking to Moses. You bring an offering to the Lord. You put your hand on the head to show identity. You have to kill it so it dies. You put it on the fire on the altar and it's pleasing to the Lord. So let's go back to this imaginary child and his family and the dad. Dad, you know, is troubled. Don't know quite what it is, but mum is worried about it. It's something like dad promised to help out a friend while he's on holiday. Things went badly wrong with the business. Perhaps the business collapsed. Dad feels terrible. He can't see a way out of it. And all this gloom and depression is coming upon him. It's so bad he almost wants to give up living. Perhaps he doesn't deserve to die, but he wants to die. He's let his friend down. He feels he's let himself down. He feels he's let his family down. But above all, he's let God down. What way out is there? And so someone says, go to the priest. Take one of this year's lambs and make a sacrifice. So he gets up with tears in his eyes. He picks this dear lamb, carries it to the altar, makes a presentation to the priest. And as it goes on the altar, he has to slaughter the lamb. Maybe he's done it before, but this time it's something different. He deserves to die because of what he's done, but now the lamb is dying in his place. The lamb's blood is running down and he sees the lamb shed his blood for his own sins. And as the lamb goes on the fire and the black smoke begins to ascend, so he realizes all the blackness and darkness within him is ascending into the great invisible. And somehow he doesn't know how, but the great invisible has smelt the sweet-smelling savour and is pleased with this sacrifice that is made by fire. And so this man, this dad, can get up 
knowing that his sin has been atoned for. The past is behind him. He feels the blackness rolling away. He feels the sunlight of God's presence. And he goes away there in newness of life with a renewed spirit and determination to live for this accepting God in the future, the past put behind him. And now because he is trusted in that sacrifice and the word of God, he feels, to use some New Testament language, he is now justified by faith. He has peace with God and his fellow believers. There is now no condemnation for him as he has this faith in, as we would say, in Christ Jesus. And he comes back a changed person. And as we would say, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come. And that's the heart of the sacrificial system and what Christ did for our sins. But looking briefly at the autumn festivals now, there's uh, three of them. There's the Feast of Trumpets, the New Year, the Sacred Day of Atonement where there's a scapegoat and both the high priest is involved. Jesus is our high priest and also the sacrificial lamb. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, which kids would always look forward to at the end of the hard-working farming season when they'd be working from dawn to dusk, scratching existence at the end. They could look forward at the end of the year to that Feast of Tabernacles. Eight days camping out in the garden and having pruned the trees and made shelters and tabernacles. They really look forward to that. But that day of trumpets, most of the festivals are mid-month with a bright moon. Feast of Trumpets starts with a brand new moon, and you've got to be very observant on a clear night to see when the new moon starts. And so to make sure people had it right, the priests in Jerusalem would have a few observers on the hills around, and the first one who could see the new moon, and it could be validated, would blow his trumpet, and then the trumpets would get blown around the land, saying, the new year, the new civil year has started. This is the Feast of Trumpets. Rejoice and be glad in it. We might ask how this has yet to be fulfilled with Jesus Christ. And as many of you are familiar, there is the teaching of the rapture. And as Paul would say, um, that the last trump will sound. The Lord will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the sound of the angel of God and the sound of the trumpet of God. He says, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed at the last trumpet. For the last trumpet will be sounded and we shall be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So in all that darkness around, you'd listen out. You wouldn't be quite sure when it would happen the nights were drawing in. It was getting colder. Would you survive another winter? But then the trumpet would sound, hallelujah. And Christians, I trust, would say the same when the last trumpet sounds. And then depending on your various views of Revelation, the thoughts that uh, world history will still carry on for a bit, maybe seven years, who knows. And then there's the Day of Atonement, which speaks of a turning of the Jews to realize their atonement, how they could turn now to the living God as fulfilled Jews turning to their Messiah. And then the tabernacles that comes, looking forward to that holiday, a foretaste of the eternal holiday. And think of that farming family 
or the aches and pains of the hard-working summer, the bruises and the hard work, and they'd look forward to the trumpets when they could rest and relax and recuperate, as we could look forward the time where there'd be no more crying or sorrow or pain anymore, for the former things had passed away, and God would be dwelling with his people, and we would be with him, our God, forever and ever. So, I trust we've learned a bit from Leviticus, the barrier between here and the invisible God, and the sacrifice of Christ, and all he has done for us, and it looks forward to communion as well. That sacred meal of the Passover, thinking of the deliverance that Christ brought us, the fellowship meal of bread and wine, for us to benefit from the bread, the life of Christ, the Lamb of God, from the wine, the benefits of his shed blood, and the deliverance we can have. But we have got just a couple of verses of well-known hymn to, trans to take us on this transition to communion, amazing grace, and then when we've been there 10,000 years.